This is part two of my interview with Rick Jones, who is now the senior assistant to Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. In this episode, Coach tells us about how he continues to learn the game and some of the best ways he found to help his staff learn the game. He recommends some resources. I think what really comes through in this one is his thirst for knowledge, his thirst for learning, and how it is so important to him and how he's built his career. And I can tell you from a personal experience, he really does value this. I was consulting with a team in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we were just about to start that day. They had flown me in, and about five minutes before we were getting ready to go, Rick Jones walks through the door, pulls out a notebook, and sits down and said, I heard you were talking ball here today, and I had to come and listen to this. And I, number one, was so blown away that he would take the time and drive you know, a few hours to come and see me. And number two, that he was sitting there to learn from me. It should have been the other way around, but he sat there and took notes the whole time. And that's just the kind of guy that Rick Jones is. He's going to continue to learn in this game. And that was something he shared with me when he took the job and stepped away from Greenwood, a place I know that he loved, is that he saw an opportunity to continue to learn and grow in the position that he was offered at Missouri. So part two of my interview with Rick Jones. Happy New Year to everybody, and we look forward to 2022. Uh, there was something you mentioned in there, though, that I think would be of interest to our uh, listeners that's more field-related, and you said that you grade, grade finish that you guys came up with a way to grade finish. Uh, could you give us an example of that? Yeah, I will. I'm not sure. I think this might be Randy Jackson. I, I borrow everything, and I sometimes don't remember where I borrow it, so I don't give proper credit where credit is due. But basically, what we try to do is we try to watch if, if a lineman has both hands on an opponent uh, when the whistle blows, then, that's a, then that is a... Uh, that's a finish, or he's chasing the ball. Mm-hmm. And the defensive player has to either be on the ball or chasing the ball, or it's not a finish. Quarterbacks have to, if they hand the ball off, have to fake and run five yards down the field full speed, or pull one defender away from the ball by carrying out a fake. So that's the way that we do it. You have to be on the ball, headed toward the ball if you're on defense. And on offense, you have to have two hands on the uh two hands as a, on, on your defender or chasing the ball. And that's that's the way we – when we watch the uh, film, that's how we graded the finishes. I, I just think that you got to have definitions for everything so that everybody's on the same page. Coach, uh, we're going to put the focus back on, on you a little bit here and talk about some of the things that you know you've grown through your experiences so going back to the beginning again what's a mistake you made as a young coach and what did you learn from it oh gosh that that is uh there's so many mistakes that it's hard to uh it's hard to narrow narrow it down but but i think that uh if i I looked at anything it would be really trying to uh focus too much on the euphemistically focus too much on the X's and O's and sometimes not enough on the Johnny's and Joe's. I think that uh, it's sort of an expectation now that we uh, deal more with the kids and and, uh, sort of get more involved and things like that. In the old days, it wasn't really like that. And I think if I look back at it, I just missed some great opportunities 
to uh, impact some guys that I, I could have done a better job of that. I just think that it's uh, – I guess when you get older, you sort of look back at it. And I'm so lucky I got so many great relationships with, with former players. But I think if I could all do it over, <laughs> I think I would. it would even be more the same. I think that's a thing that is really a thing that you, when you look back at, everybody's going to, you know – Part of the things they'll say is like, well, what are they going to say at your funeral and things like that? And I guess when you sort of get closer to the end than you are at the finish, you probably spend more time thinking about uh, some of that type of stuff. I think that I would just encourage young guys to really focus on the humans that that you're coaching and have a sense of appreciation. Like I've talked about, they're willing to play football and, and have a – because it's, it's an awesome sport. It's a wonderful sport. The other thing is is that it's so much easier now to get information. I mean, I know that everybody else has mentioned it, but, I mean, in, in the old days, you had one copy of the film, and it was film, you know. It was just film. And you had one copy of the game, and you didn't film practices, and then with the advent of, you know, the VHS and all that, you could start doing and having multiple copies and things like that. There's so many great ways to uh, to learn the game. Just sit down and learn the game. And I think that's a, that's a huge thing. And it's, it's been a, you know, obviously, if, if somebody's ignorant about any aspect of football today, it's their own fault because it's out there. You know, the information's out there. What you're doing, what other guys are doing, uh, it's it's amazing the amount of information that's out there. But I, I think if I had any, you know, the mistakes that I made was uh, I, I left some opportunities out to be an influence that I could have. And uh, I, I could have, even in those days, I could have learned, I could have studied more. And I'm a student of the game. I'm always interested in a better newer way to do something but i think even at that i could have done better in that area coach what's the best advice you've received in your career oh man i've had so much great advice i think i think the best advice i ever got i I went to my second head coach mike little and mike was an awesome awesome football coach there in the oklahoma city area very well respected and i was so honored to just be on his staff and i remember when we did he did a very informal evaluation at the end of the year, and I said, Coach, what can I do to get better? Because I was his offensive line coach and defensive line coach. And I just I always wanted to be the best coach I could be. I never really focused on a title or anything like that, like I mentioned before. I said, Mike, what can I do better? And I'll never forget the conversation along the way. He said, Rick, you've got to look at the big picture. And, and what I – I'll never forget that conversation that I was a line coach and I needed to make sure that I did everything possible to do a great job coaching the line. But Mike was telling me that I got to open up my blinders and my blinkers and I got to see what are they, what's the quarter, what's he telling the quarterback to do? How's he organizing practice? Uh, What's he doing in the kicking game? I took that conversation and that, I didn't want to lose focus of being the best offensive line coach I could be, but I need to scan out wider and not be so tunnel vision and uh, see the big picture. So I would tell a young guy, look at the big picture. Too many times we like offense. We don't mess with the defense. 
and I just think that's wrong. I think it's like going to a coaching clinic. I've gone to some of these coaching clinics where they have all different kinds of sports, and I go here. I'll go here, basketball coach. I mean, some of these basketball coaches are great, great coaches, and you can learn a lot from them. And, and, and a lot of them have a lot, you know, football principles. Uh, Sherry Cole, the women's basketball coach at OU, I listened to her speak about seven or eight years ago, and I've got an idea for what we do every day before practice now from, from listening to her. So I would say be wide open and, and learn from anybody and everybody. For that young guy getting into it, his first year, looking to make it long-term in this profession, you know, we mentioned some advice before, but what would you tell that guy is this is how you make it long-term? The obvious thing is to not do stupid stuff, you know, not be immature. Conduct yourself as as a man. I would say learn and uh, don't have a uh, don't have a mentality that you you can't learn something, I, and don't wait on somebody. My first the first coach I worked with did not like to go to clinics, and uh, some coaches sat around and griped about the fact that he wouldn't pay for them to go to clinic or he didn't like to go to clinics, and I just went to clinics. I, I wasn't going to let that stop me. I, I listened to your Jim McNally interview the other day, and it made me laugh because I figured out Jim was speaking at San Angelo, Texas in the summertime about 1987, and I just jumped the car and drove down there to listen to Jim <laughs> McNally. I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn how to run the zone play, and he was he is and still was a you know sort of the guru of the of the zone play. And so I just I didn't worry about somebody reimbursing me for my money. And uh, I, of course, I didn't get married while I was forty either. I I got to throw that in to be fair. But I mean, I just jumped in my car and drove to San Angelo, Texas, and I wanted to listen to Jim McNally. And in San San Angelo at the clinic, he speaks for an hour, then he does a breakout session. And I looked around at the breakout session. I'd been there a while, I knew, but I looked around, and it was it was just Jim and I. <laughs> and he said, hey, I know that, uh, he said something like, I'm going to the bar. Uh, if you want to follow me over there, that's fine. And so I just followed him over there, and I had my notebook. And he was so gracious and so nice because he's at the very pinnacle of his profession. And, and I'm at, you know, I'm a high school coach from, you know, Edmond, Oklahoma. And, uh, but I mean, I'm not afraid to, I'm not afraid to follow a guy around. I mean, probably eight or nine years ago, I go up to the University of Arkansas for their spring clinic and, uh, I start talking pump protection with their special teams coach. He's now at Virginia Tech, uh, James, she- or James Shebest. And, and all of a sudden, it's one thirty in the morning and it's him and I. We're the only ones up there like, like knuckleheads, you know, and I, I'm embarrassed. Because there were several times I said, oh, I'll go. i got to go. i got to go. I, I wasn't worried about my time, but I was worried about his. But just have a, a burning passion to get better and learn and, and to a study. And there, you can't run out of stuff to learn. You're never going to get it right. We've never coached a perfect game. Maybe Nick Saban has, but I never have. And I'm a long way from it. But I'm still trying to get there after, after all these years. Coach, what's a book you would recommend to our listeners? I know you mentioned Joe Airman's stuff, but uh, what's a book you would recommend to our listeners? Oh my goodness, you got to—you got to have a that—that that would be almost impossible. I, let me—I'm going to recommend a video, and you would know him being where you're from. But Tony Mason, coaching coaches, is the most life-changing video or clinic speech I've ever seen. 
Uh, he gave the clinic speech at Allen, High, Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas, in about 1986, 85-86. And it's called Tony Mason Coaching Coaches. You can still get copies of it here and there. I really like that speech better than the one that he gave in Dallas. But he gave that speech all over the place. Tony has passed. Um, but as a single source of information, I think it's the best and most influential thing that I've ever read or seen. Tony Mason, Coaching Coaches. And uh, I know you're going to give him my contact information. And somebody wants – since he's passed, I don't know that there's a way to – that you can get that video, but I'll loan you a copy. Okay. It's about every three years, uh, our staff, we'll just sit down and watch it again. I've probably seen it 20 times. But it's just how to communicate with your coaches, and it is unbelievable. And I, I love books. I just inventoried my book that I have in my office, and it's like a small library. <laughs> cause I'm, I'm just nuts about it. Some of the newer things that I've read, are, are it's probably not new, but it's new to me, is uh, Joshua Medcast stuff, uh, Chop Wood, Carry Water, uh, Burn Your Goals. Uh, I think if you're coaching uh, today and you haven't read Generation IY by Tim Elmore, uh, you ought to stop coaching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he discusses he discusses the kids that were coaching and where, where their brains are and where they're coming from and that generation of kids because – it just helps you have a great understanding of, of the kids. Uh, Randy Jackson's book, Culture Beat Strategy, his video series as well is really, really good. The first two are just basically on culture. And I think Randy does a great job with that stuff. I was fortunate two years ago, I got to get my picture taken with my hero, Carol Dweck, uh, who wrote the book Mindset. I scared the poor woman to death. <laughs> Uh, it's a long story, but we were in a banquet setting, and I they introduced her as one of the celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made a, I ran and turned over some tables. It was uh, it was ugly, <laughs> but I wanted to get my picture taken with Carol Dweck. I love the book Mindset; it is fantastic. Randy Allen, coach at Highland Park in Texas, has two little books. Uh, coaching by the book and coaching character. Uh, I mentioned Joe Ehrman before, uh, Inside Out Coaching, uh, Jeffrey Marks, Season of Life. I think those are very, very important books. Uh, Jeffrey Duke uh, does a series called 3D Coaching as well. And, and I, I'm like everybody else. I think Urban's book's awesome. I think the winner's manual, Jim Tressel, one of the best just – basic information book about how to be a football coach that I've ever read. Uh, I think he did a great job with that. Uh, the John Wooden books, I mean, what unbelievable information there is there. And I, and I like the other stuff. of uh, I like business books. I like reading about Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, guys that are at the best at what they do. Uh, anything Jim Collins writes, I'm going to read. He's the one that wrote uh, Good to Great. Good to Great. Yeah. And Built to Last and How the Mighty Fall. I read How the Mighty Fall. We had won three championships in a row here, and I read that book, um, How the Mighty Fall, right after that because I wanted to just make sure that we were doing everything in our power not to not to have that fall. Um, Malcolm Gladwell, I love to read Malcolm Gladwell's books, and he just has a different way of thinking that I think sort of helps me. The uh, Stephen Levitt's Freakonomics, I enjoy that kind of stuff. But about any of those, Butler Way, I enjoyed that. It's not written by 
by uh, Brad, but it's it's written by some people about him. But I find that really some interesting things. Obviously, anything that is written about Belichick, I'm going to read. You know, I think between Coach Saban, Coach Meyer, and Coach Belichick, about the three best there are out there. But I, I would encourage I would encourage people to uh, to really try to find that Tony Mason coaching coaches, especially if they're a young head coach or a potentially young head coach. And I think that's I think that's really important. Coach, I'll try to find that uh, and see if there's a, a link to somewhere out there. I'll put it in our show notes. You mentioned a coaching clinic and taking something from a coaching clinic. So what was it you did uh, take from that uh, coaching clinic with the women's basketball coach? Oh, Sherry, um, before every practice, Sherry has their girls get it, – it's not before practice, but it's like after you do sort of your warm-up, walk-through type stuff that they do in basketball, and I don't know anything about basketball. It wasn't at right when they get there. It's after they do a few drills and things like that. They circle up. They get in what they call the circle, and all the girls put their arms around each other, and, and Sherry basically gives them – a little speech about why they're there. What is their purpose for being there that day? And I thought it was such a great idea. We we adapted it to what we call three minutes. And we'll do it usually somewhere around periods three to six. And we'll blow the whistle three times. And when the kids hear the whistle blows three times, they run to the middle of the field. They put their arms around each other. And our offensive coach will present a one-minute thought for the day our defense coach does one minute and i do one minute on the theme for usually i talk about the theme for the week because we have a weekly theme and a yearly theme and uh we call it three minutes and i think it sort of gives us why are we here because i think that a lot of times kids might ask themselves if we don't tell them why are we here so we try to get every day basically we play on friday so we do that monday tuesday wednesday we do three minutes we blow the whistle one two Tweet, 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 and we get up there and we talk about it. That's what that's what we learned. That's what I learned listening to Sherry. There's some other good stuff Sherry did as well. We go to clinics and we'll implement it. We try to put it in exactly the same way. We went. I went to San Angelo, learned the outside zone. We put the bucket steps in. We put, you know, everything. We used his terminology. Uh, he was nice enough to send us film. And I'm talking, this is 1986. This was cutting-edge stuff, in, or 87, somewhere in there. And I, I think it helped us win. We just in, we put the outside zone in immediately. We went to Nebraska one time when Milt Tenniper was there. Milt was there a long time, great offensive line coach, one of the best guys ever. He just passed recently. One of the, oh, he was awesome to us. But we put in the counter. They were just experimenting with the GT counter play. That's how old I am. They're at Nebraska that year. In fact, they were pulling the guard and the, and the slot back because they didn't think they could pull tackles. And then, of course, the rest is history about that. But there's a lot of stuff going to clinic that uh, we do. What I, what we like to do now is just bring somebody to our place. We can fly them into Fort Smith, pay them good money, and we have them captured there for a day and then fly them back in the afternoon and I invite my buddies from the area. And I, I learned and when you live in the city, a lot of these coaches don't have anything to do at night. You know, some of them want to run around, but some of them aren't running around. And I figured out when I lived in Oklahoma City in Tulsa, that I'd find out when these guys are coming to do their spring recruiting, and we'd just do an impromptu clinic. And, uh, I mean, I've had – we've been lucky. I had Les Miles, Mike Gundy, uh, Mark Hudson, Charlie North, uh, Mike Stoops, 
I mean, we've had some great, great coaches. Just while they're doing spring recruiting, I said, hey, why don't you make us your last stop and we'll get some pizza and sodas and uh, we'll talk football for a couple hours. And, I mean, we've had some awesome guys do that. And then later on, um, I've gotten to the point where I, I try to watch the bowl games and figure out who's doing something that we want to learn more about and then try to get – uh, try to bring somebody in that knows what they're doing. And uh, the last two years, we've ended up, instead of bringing someone in, we went to Auburn two years ago and basically just did an RPO clinic for um, our buddies. And uh, last year, we went to uh, North Gwinnett High School with Bob Spire there in Atlanta and just did an RPO clinic. We just spent two days talking about nothing, basically, but RPO stuff. But I think that it's just a lot more focused and it's a great way to learn, and, and plus it's a great way to network with some awesome people. And uh, Bobby Bentley, who's now in South Carolina, has helped us along the way, and it's been a good thing for us. But I, I'm going to try to just – I've had Todd Dodge come to Greenwood, Arkansas twice. <laughs> and, and I believe in good money. But when you look at the amount of money, if I take a staff, Dallas or Tulsa, to a clinic, and then if I take all that money and give it to somebody to spend a day of their life with us in Greenwood, Arkansas, I think it, it ends up being cheaper and it's it's better. And uh, that's one of the things that I've tried to do. Like Todd Dodge has been up here twice. We had Chad Morris up here when he was still at uh, Stephenville, or, or I guess he was at Lake Travis by the time we had Chad up here. But those those two guys have gone on to do pretty well. But I just try to find I try to find guys that like talking ball and, and get them in here and try to uh, wear them out on the on the board. Coach, what's something as we head into clinic season that you're excited to learn about now? Well, I'm still looking for the elusive answer. What do you do against press men when you have an RPO call? That we we've gone to clinics. I've gone to Auburn, Alabama, and I've gone to Atlanta, Georgia, and I haven't found a a great answer for that. I've, I've heard some answers, but I don't have great answers. But I think the main thing is we're trying to um, – we have been 10 personnel 99.9% of the time. And I think – and we this last year, were we were horrendous on third and one and fourth and one and just atrocious. And I think what we – I think what we're going to see or explore is is maybe becoming more multiple, maybe some 11, uh, 20. I, I see it as a way to incorporate more people into uh, into the onto the field. But I, if we had had a whole lot of, you know, six two to six five, hundred and ninety to two hundred and thirty pound guys, we had probably been doing it earlier. But we don't have. We're probably like everybody else. We don't have a whole lot of those guys. But I'm thinking about. We've, we've run the ball very, very well, but I just think that we've got to get – obviously we have to get better in third and shorts and fourth and shorts. And uh, I think instead of putting that in like day three of our spring practice, that's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to go down and go third and one and get it on and figure out a physical approach to making one yard because I love the spread. I love – 10 personnel. I like the math. I even, I might like it even better. I mean, we like empty as well, but we, we just have not been what we need to be on third and short and fourth and short. And so I'm, I'm excited to go look at some things and, and get better. Uh, and, and always, I'm always looking to do things to improve our program. And, uh, I'm going to Orlando in a couple of weeks to the 
football, the USA football deal there they're having in conjunction with the Pro Bowl and listen to some great guys. And, and I know a couple guys that are going to be there, high school coaches as well, and try to pick their brain and get with them and, and learn some things there as well. Coach, this is a tough question for a lot of guys because we're so passionate about the game and we could put 24 hours into it if if uh, people would allow us to have that kind of time. But how do you create the balance you need with other things in your life like family and health? Well, I don't do a very good job of that, frankly. Uh, I have uh, the biggest mistake, and my kids are now in college. I have three kids, and they're now in college. And I think the worst thing, I, I had time because – when you're the head coach, the huge advantage of being a head coach is, is that they work. you work when you want to. And uh, when you work for somebody, then you work when the man wants you to work. And so I was always fortunate in, in that my kids were, were growing up. I, I got to sort of pick and choose what I went to and what I didn't go to. And, and you end up missing things. Our kids, My kids played volleyball. My girls played volleyball and soccer. My son played soccer, football, and basketball. So I missed some stuff. And but I, I was able to go to a lot more things than, than maybe a guy was able to attend go nine to five. I heard one of your guys the other day say, you got to be where your feet are. And if I made my biggest mistake at all would have been, I should have stayed at the office longer if I would have been more where my feet were when I was home. Because it's hard, especially I think for head coaches to turn it off and turn it on because there's always something out there. There's always some kind of trouble and turmoil and an issue that's going to cause you some sleepless nights and some issues and it's hard to go watch a sixth grader play volleyball and not have your brain rolling over and over if if not a parent issue it's what are you going to call them third and fourth what are you going to do about this coach who did this or something like that and i think that as like i say one of your guys i heard as i was listening to your podcast one of the podcasts or you got to be where your feet are mm-hmm. you know? I go back if I could go back and do it, which unfortunately we can't. I would be when I, I would do my work at the office, and when I got home, I would be home. I would not. I would do a better job of keeping my brain occupied with what's important, what's in front of me now. But it's hard, and I haven't done a, a great job. Uh, in 2000, I ran a marathon. I mean, I was tra- I trained. My wife's a runner. She runs eight miles a day. Um, I was in pretty good shape then. I, I did run a marathon. I finished it the last two miles. Dodged traffic, uh, but I did, I did all right, and I finished it. And then I sort of went back through my fat stage and, and lazy stage and didn't work the way that I should. And now I'm, I'm back on it. I've been on it for about the last three months uh, where I, I walk or, or something. And, and the beauty of it is, and technology, again, plays a part, is that I can listen to books. I can read books while I'm walking. Now, how great is that? Or I can <laughs> listen to a podcast. I've listened to every podcast you've had up. Because I try to walk for 40 minutes to an hour every day, and, and every one of the Keith Grabowski podcasts I've listened to, uh, some of them I'm even going back into the second time, because it, it's, I think Brian Kane refers to uh, Auto University, just any time you get in the car, put on some kind of motivational message or a podcast or an audio book or something like that, and I've really taken that to heart, and just Let's not waste time. I guess it's probably part that I'm getting older, too, and that time becomes even more precious when you, you realize just how important it is. And let's learn, man. Let's not just 
have mindless stuff. And I don't think it means that you don't relax and you don't recuperate. And, you know, I get all that recharge the batteries and all that. But I'm just saying, if I'm going to be driving a car or if I'm going to be walking down the road trying to get some exercise, I, I'm making my brain smarter. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. But I have great job tell you the truth and i think my um i think people would tell you that i think but it's it's being present you know is the other term that i hear the the gurus use from time i just need to be present where my presence is and i I did not do a great job of that it's hard coach we'll keep putting out those great podcasts so you have a reason to walk and we'll we'll help you with that health so coach what do you see as some major concerns right now for the future of our game and what ideas do you have that address those concerns you know, the elephant in the room is, is the concussions. Um, I, I think when, and I this is my guess, is that when the research all comes full circle, it's not going to probably be quite as bad as they think it might be. But I, it's out there. Uh, it's a perception, and perception is reality to a lot. And to me, we as a profession, we have to embrace change. We have to embrace change because if we if we don't embrace change, we're going to lose our sport. It will it will change drastically. But I I don't I, I'm like probably all the other old guys out there. I don't like the way they enforce the rules. Blah blah blah. But it really doesn't matter because the big picture is so much more important. We got to make it safe for our kids. We got to make it safe for our kids as safe as possible. We cannot do it without risk. But we can do it and minimize the risk. We ought to figure that out. And that means we might have to find different ways to uh, teach tackling in practice. We have to find different ways to teach uh, just to practice in general so that we're not banging our heads against each other quite so much. And if it and if it makes us less tough and less physical, then that's something I just think we, we have to – I don't. I'm not saying throw your hands up and accept, but I mean if it's, if it's going to save the game – I think that's really what we're up against. But I've, I've told people when I had a chance to talk at clinics, we have to embrace this. It, it's not a matter of accepting it, getting along with it, or just following the letter of the law. It's embrace it. Let's embrace change. Let's welcome it. Hey, we've got doctors and neurologists and these physicians that know so much more than we know. And when they tell us things that, that we can do to make things better and to make it safer for our kids, we got to have we got to embrace it. My son is a is a sophomore in college, and he's expressed an interest in becoming a coach. And I just I want him to be able to have the same opportunities that I had, if not better. But I if it if we don't embrace change, then then I, I'm I'm really really afraid of what could happen in 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 the future. I just think we have to we have to be smart and use and look. And it's like Coach Little told me all those years ago and that I mentioned before, we gotta see the big picture. We have to see the big picture. Embrace change. And I don't and that doesn't mean I, it doesn't necessarily say like it. But I think we have to see where we're at and and it's like they said in the movie Saving Private Ryan, this is what we have to convince parents of. Uh, and I'll never forget, most people saw the movie remember the scene when uh, Tom Hanks is shot, and they've made all this sacrifice for that one. He says, be worthy. Be worthy. And I think what we have to do as coaches is make sure the game's worthy of the risk mm-hmm. that the kid taking to play it. We have to be worth it. We have to make it worthwhile. We have to show mamas and daddies that the game is worth it and that it's worthy of the risk and we gotta 
make sure that we do everything in our power to make sure that they they understand that. But I think that's you know that the heat issue is an issue. We just got if if they say that the guidelines are or what they are, then just follow the guidelines. We we have no possible answer when when horrible things happen when we haven't done our job. I mean, it happened about 80 miles from here five years ago. We lost a young man uh, playing football during the summertime, and it's just, I mean, it's so horrific. We we can't. We got to always say now is it really worth pressing that envelope in that or do we wait a couple hours or do we take our shoulder pads off and just do something different you know just be you know be able to adapt he's like coach little be see the big picture and i think that's what we have to do as coaches coach here's the final question and you've had a lot of success like i said there's a lot of guys who who you've been influential to and you you shared some great things with us today but what's the one thing you point to as giving your team the winning edge I think that the the number one thing that we've been able to be successful is that we are consistent. Um, we have expectations that are not going to vary a lot, whether we're on a 50-game winning streak like we did a couple years ago or, or if we're on a two-game losing streak. It, we're going to have the same standards. We're going to have the same expectations. We're going to have the same mentality. And my goal is that you could go out to practice – and not be able to tell whether we're playing the biggest game of the year or the theoretically the easiest game of the year. I think over time, we are consistent in what we do. And uh, we're going to work hard. And we're going – I think that our kids believe in the system and that they they work harder than any team in the state of Arkansas. And whether that's true or not is not important. The important thing is that they believe it. And uh, when we go out to play the game, we believe that we've, we deserve to win. And I think over time, having a consistent approach and an approach that doesn't waver based upon last week or last month or, or 10 years ago or tomorrow is, is the key. And I, I hear these, I hear these and read it in books and everything and that it's just, we really try to take the next play approach. You know, the next play is the only play you can do anything about. So that, that we try to make our focus, not in the rear view mirror, not in the future, but just right there in the present day. Um, I use it. Randy Jackson's idea there at Grapevine. I just put a big old question mark on every one of their off-season T-shirts. So they're all wearing this big question mark. And I just, and every day I'm going to ask them a question. What did you, you know, and, and our question yesterday was, what did you do with today? What did you do with today? We just finished our workout. You just went through it. What did you do with it? And every day I'm going to have a question for them. And just always trying to push and prod and find those buttons that will get them, you know, make them better players and, and buy in a little bit more. Coach, how can our listeners connect with you? I have a uh, I have a web page that they might enjoy some of the stuff. I do blogs from time to time. I'm not real prolific when it comes to that, but that's www.coachrickjones.com. They can look for some of the stuff there. And uh, it's been a big honor to uh, let me on your podcast. You, you, you have some of my heroes have 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 gone before me, like uh, Randy Jackson and Jim McNally, Herb Hand, and guys, uh, some really, really Dub Maddox. 
some really, really great coaches. Brent Eckley. <laughs> well, those guys think very highly of you as well. And, and uh, Coach, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time being on the show, sharing all of the things you did with us. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you in Orlando. Thanks again for listening to the Coach and Coordinator Podcast. Happy New Year to you. Best of luck and best wishes for a great 2022. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski and follow all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com.